Hello, everybody. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And tonight we're going to get real with Bill London, too. Haven't done one of these shows in a while, but have to catch up on Oregon. Bill does a, a broadcast we post out there on all of our different channels uh, once a week, giving you kind of an update on stuff. And uh, most of his things, as I always tell you, that you will never find on the local news. Because uh, Bill digs, he looks hard, and he asks the tough questions, always has. Our sponsors tonight are Rain's Heating and Air Conditioning out of Crestwell. They have a special going on right now where if you want your fireplace clean, I didn't even know you were supposed to do that. And then uh, talking to Bradley, I discovered that you're supposed to clean your fireplace um, every year. And don't use Windex on the glass because it can literally explode. I didn't know that. I mean, I would have done that, but it can literally explode. So you don't want to use Windex. They have cleaners if you're going to do it yourself. Uh, that's your little warning. Also, our other sponsor, of course, Chris Dental Family Dentistry. And you'll be very surprised, I'm sure. Um, I just wrote a new ad that's going to start airing on KPNW on Wednesdays for Dr. Ratlin. And we're going to talk about the situation in Israel in our ad and how we need to back the people of Israel and your civil liberties too. And Dr. Bratlin, I sent him this. I said, I got an idea. And we also are, we also are putting one on the KPNW I love. I made this one for him too. It's about getting healthy. So all the times we had the dark time and all of us knew, all the research showed that obesity and comorbidities were the biggest danger for people. And what did the Biden administration and the Kate Brown and the government say about getting healthy? Nothing. They said, don't go to a gym, um, eat fast food, uh, you know, do it, but, but take a pill and you'll be fine. So we're starting a campaign that's saying we right now, you could increase your lifespan from diabetes, all of that, just by losing some weight and getting yourself healthy. So we're doing a campaign over there too with that. And also New Leaf Hyperbarics and Wellness Center. And I've got a little ad I'm going to put later in the show. Matt has a special on light therapy. That's kind of a new thing. And I'm sure, Bill, have you done the light therapy yet, Bill London? Um, I do the light therapy. I call it the happy helmet. Well, <laughs> oh, I can see. Matt tells me that it helps grow new hair. And I can see uh, it's not. It ain't working here. <laughs> the clear cut continues. <laughs> you know, that that clear cut is you're 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 showing the timber industry that it really does work, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's diversity going on here. Well, well, there's less fire danger. Oh, mo most definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, there's not a lot of fuel left up here. Yeah. So I I text Bill last week and I said, God, you want to come on and do a show? Just kind of update people. The last one you had on, what I get from a lot of Montana people is that. You know that guy, that news guy? <laughs> is that stuff real? And I'm going, yeah, Bill is not. <laughs> they don't believe that really that goes on in Oregon. But I think people in Oregon don't even understand some of the stuff that's going on in there. What are the big, I wanted to spend 30 minutes and just talk with you about some of the big issues going on in the state. Uh, because you're like one of the last news guys who actually digs for information. Well, what are the big things going on? Uh, well, still, the aftermath of Ballot Measure 110 and Ballot Measure 110 all but legalized street drugs here in Oregon. And we're seeing the aftermath of that. Um, 
you know, there was a new uh, report that came out today that Oregon now has the fastest growing rate of fatal overdoses of anywhere in the country. Our growth over the course of the last year in fatal overdoses, 67% from the previous year. The what? national growth rate of fatal overdoses, 5%. So why don't people, here's what I don't understand, especially your leaders, why don't people put the things together? Say, oh, hey, wait. So we legalized, basically legalized drugs and we had this overdose. Those two things what they're, they're they have a, a there's a line you can draw between one to the other and it seems like all i hear is you know the governor the last i heard and i haven't kept up on it recently but you know we're gonna we oh we just got to keep trying this it's gonna work sooner or later well that's pretty much everybody's take on it at least you know from the governor on down through the democratic party um is just well we haven't given it enough time well, how much time do you have to give it before the obvious, uh, you know, becomes the prevalent theme, which is as long as we keep doing this, people are going to die. You know, this, I, I'll give you an idea of how ridiculous this is. And you remember when Ted Wheeler, and I think this was about three or four months ago, he came out and said that he was going to treat on the street drug use like open containers where if you're on the street, you're drinking, you know, out of a whiskey bottle that an officer comes up and they can cite you for that. Right. And that was the approach he was going to take. And then if you recall about four days later, he backtracked on that. It is literally codified in Oregon statute. And it was done by the legislature that you cannot cite or arrest somebody in the state of Oregon for using drugs or alcohol on the street. Yet if you, you and I, if you and I walked into a bar in downtown Eugene, took a beer and walked out on the street, they would come and tell us we couldn't do that. But legally they can't. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and remember, but, but here's here's the other stupid thing I think. Bill. But, but Rick, let, let me just mention this. It literally states in Oregon Revised Statute, it says including illegal drugs. Wow. And they can't figure out why the deaths are going up. Well, that, and they can't figure out why they have open air drug markets in Portland and why people just hang out in groups on the street and toot fentanyl and die. You know, I, I see where I don't remember if it was Marion, but I see where a few counties are voting to rescind it. Tell me about that. Well, what they what they're trying to do is put pressure on the legislature to do something about it. And you're talking about Marion County was the last one. I think prior to that, it was. Harney? Uh, yeah, either Harney or Clackamas County. A number of them have been doing that, and they're trying to put pressure on the Oregon legislature to do something about it. And the pushback from what I'm going to call the recovery industrial complex is, well, it's what it is, Rick. Yeah. Um, their pushback on it is they don't want to see that happen because they don't want the money to be funneled into jails. 
in other words, no, we're just going to double down and keep doing and need to keep be keep doing what we're doing. Law enforcement and others, and uh, they had a uh, symposium, I think it was last week over in Bend, with the DA over there, Gunnels and the sheriff and city leaders and so on and so forth. And Gunnels brought up the perfect point, which is, you know, if you don't have some sort of carrot, um, we've got the carrot, but we have no sticks. And for a lot of people, this idea of, okay, you're going to do drugs, you get arrested because you're doing meth, you've got meth in your possession, you go through potentially drug court, uh, you go through the court system, and as part of your um, uh, probation, you have to go through drug treatment, and you have to be able to prove that you're getting off drugs. I mean, at least there is something to force these people to get control of their situation. And for others, you, you talk to people that have worked drug treatment a long time, they'll tell you, you know, for most people, until they hit bottom, right. they're not going to they're not going to get off drugs. You could put, I mean, my feeling is you could put a free treatment center on every corner of the city of Eugene to the just like they do with marijuana dispensaries, put them on every corner and say, hey, it's free. You can come in and you're not going to get anybody coming in. Isn't There's got to be a reason for them to do it. And that's going to be hitting bottom. And for a lot of them, getting arrested and going through the system is about as close to rock bottom as they're going to get. Every person I know who's a, who's a felon or somebody who's come out of prison or, or all that, they'll tell you they were in several times and it wasn't until they made up their mind. So it's so arrogant of Oregon leadership to think, oh, we can put this little program out and we're going to solve the problem. And, 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 and it's not working. You're, 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 you're acting like you have something that other people really want. And until they want to get clean, they're not going to get clean. How does this affect? This is in also affecting um, homelessness and yep. all the people on the street, the garbage, the litter, the trash, everything like that, the theft, crime. The crime. It affects everything. You know, I mean, they keep talking about, well, we need to address the homeless situation. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you do. Um, and the thing is, all of this, I mean, I'm not saying that everybody that lives on the street is a drug addict. Right. And I'm not saying that everybody that has a mental health problem is a drug abuser. But you can definitely state that many people who live on the streets, if they weren't on drugs, they may not be living on the streets. Right. And you could also say that many people who are on the streets, not all of them, who have severe mental problems, many of them it's been exacerbated by or caused by the fact that they've been addicted to really hardcore drugs. Look at somebody that's been on meth for a number of years. I mean, you know, the paranoia, the schizophrenia, uh, a variety of things. And if you're going to start addressing these problems, 
you know, maybe it isn't the only cause, but it is a big cause of those things. And until we wrap, you know, our heads and our arms around it, this is not going to get any better. I think the sad part is like for somebody like myself who leaves and when I come back, I see how much worse it is. And I think people living in it, you get used to it because I hear people when I was there and they say, well, it's better than it was. Well, no. it's still, it looks, it, it, it's, it doesn't seem better than it was. And when I hear people like telling me, you know, we had our bikes on the back of the, the car and they said, make sure you have a lock on those because, and lock both wheels because people will, they'll take just your wheel off of it. And Kathy and I are going, oh my God, here in Eugene, Oregon, we got to worry about that. Well, not only that, but even parking a car overnight everywhere, you're putting your car in danger of either A, having the catalytic converter stolen, or B, particularly if it's a, uh, you know, like a, a, a higher profile vehicle that sits above the ground, they just come up and drill a hole literally in your gas tank and steal your gas. We've had that happen to one of our vehicles twice over the course of the last year out here at the radio station. And it happens all the time. I saw an article on one of the TV stations in Portland, and there was a couple who he used to live in Portland. He lives in Wisconsin, wanted to drive his, his wife, his new wife out here with the idea that they might move here someday. So they drove all the way out here, um, parked in a parking garage. One night they went out, the one window was broken out and just some, one thing was taken. They had a bunch of camping gear in the back. So they fixed that, parked, went to another parking garage that was higher and they said was safer. The next night, all their windows were broken out and all their camping gear was stolen. And these people were relieved, telling the whole story of how the parking attendants were rude about it. And they said, well, that's just what happens. And the guy left and he says, I will never come back to Portland again. And yet you talk to people in Portland um, who don't live downtown beaverton or tiger and they're going well you know we don't it's fine you know that's that's just overblown by the media and it's like you need to drive in downtown portland and see what people are living through so absolutely what's what's another topic in oregon i i saw one locally and i, I wanted to ask you about this and I, I didn't warn you about this or anything but i saw the mayor of eugene's uh letter to the state health authority um complaining because peace health was closing the Sacred Heart building downtown oh, yeah. and how the, now Eugene was going to be left without a hospital. And I wanted to laugh because I wanted to say, well, you had the chance to have that hospital in Eugene and you guys gave that up many years ago. Well, you know, yeah. So Peace Health, I mean, this this is this is a local look at a macro problem. Um Ever since the pandemic and even prior to it, um, you know, the healthcare system and hospitals in general have been losing money. And Peace Health is no different than many of them. They right. are losing money. They've been losing money for, you know, for the last two years. And so the decision was made because they don't get as much traffic through the university hospital that they're going to close the emergency room down. And over the course of the next couple of years, they're going to start moving all of their services over to Peace Health Riverbend, which is across I-5 in Springfield. The kind of sticking point in this is what's known as the Johnson Center, the uh, 
uh, so mental health know, services. That yeah, the, the mental health services. And they're kind of just keeping that open until the county comes up with some sort of alternative. And what was, what's kind of interesting about this is, is that um, the argument has been, you know, in the case of a Cascadia subduction earthquake, and we've talked about that for years off the Oregon coast, you know, you hear predictions that could be anywhere between a seven and an 8.5 earthquake, which would absolutely devastate Oregon for a number of reasons, besides the fact that it's just a big earthquake. Uh, there's a lot of problems with that in Oregon because of the way that the uh, geology is in Oregon, where we sit in what's called liquefaction zones, where when the ground starts shaking really fast, it becomes like quicksand or a liquid and everything sinks. That's kind of what Oregon's built on. And one of the, you know, concerns that keeps getting brought up, well, if we have one of those, you know, how are people going to be able to get from Eugene over to Springfield with that devastation uh, when they could go to the university hospital? So the city council had a meeting, I'm going to say it was about, three weeks ago, two and a half, three weeks ago. And the chief of the Eugene Springfield Fire Department talked about how that would work. And that is they have known for years that if we have that earthquake, the university hospital is going to be rubble. Huh. It is absolutely not earthquake proof and that it would take upwards of a quarter of a billion dollars to retrofit the university hospital to be able to withstand the type of earthquake that they think would hit off the Oregon coast. So that argument really is, doesn't fly. Huh? That is so interesting. So yeah, what, it's, what, it's what, what, what other topic, what, what else is going on? Oh, you know, one thing that I think if I had a guess that I think is going to be a bigger issue is the whole LaMotta story. Now, are you familiar with LaMotta? No. Uh -uh. Okay. You remember that Shimia Fagan had to resign, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, go ahead. And Rosa Cesares. So Shimia Fagan, for those who aren't from Oregon or who are from Oregon and just don't know who the hell Shimia Fagan is, because there's no reason you would. She's the secretary, was the secretary of secretary state. Of state. Right. And she said that she wasn't making enough money as a secretary of state, so she had to take a part-time job. Oh, and McDonald's? the part-time well, no, she was working as a consultant, a part-time consultant for this pot dispensary chain called Lamada. And she was quietly making $10,000 a month as a Moonlighter part-time gig job. Nice gig job if you can get it. So that came to light. And what was happening was that the secretary of state and their office is also the state auditor they can audit <laughs> any one of the you know uh state agencies that they want to and it just so happened as she was a consultant to lamada that the secretary of state's office was auditing the oregon liquor and cannabis commission and how uh state rules and regulations were affecting 
the cannabis industry. And a lot of the topics that were addressed in the audit, or at least some of them, were suggested by Rosa Cesaris, one of the owners of LaMada, to Shamia Fagan. And Shamia Fagan took that to the auditors and said, you know, you really need to be looking at these kind of things. Okay. So anyway, all of that blew up in her face. She ended up in resigning. Governor Tina Kotek uh, appointed a new interim secretary of state. And then it comes out after that, that it was discovered that Rosa Cesaris and her boyfriend were going to political gatherings of uh, Democrats that were running for office in the last general election, one of them being Tina Kotek, and passing out brown paper bags full of money as campaign donations. Not checks, but actual bags of money. Thousands of dollars in bags of money. Which you can't do because it all has to be tracked by who it came from. Well, yeah, and that sort of caused a little bit of a problem. Everybody was saying, well, yeah, but we claimed it on Orstar. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, long story short, you know, the donation was given back. It was given to Tina Kotek. She gave it to, Home I can't Oscars remember. Or something. Something, it was yeah, like... Some- Like the Oregon Food Bank, I think, is where she gave it to. Anyway, and all of these politicians are trying to separate themselves as much as possible from LaMotta, which also owed millions of dollars in back state and federal taxes. Well, you have another issue that has blown up with Val Hoyle, who was the successor to... To Peter DeFazio. So Val well, Hoyle ran it. She ran. I, did she run for Secretary of State when I did? I can't remember if it's her. No, but Val has been in politics for a long time. And then Peter DeFazio, the fourth congressional district, um, yeah, basically he, primed the way for Val to take his job, and Oregonians did it. All right. Yeah, exactly. And he supported her, and she ended up with a job, and now she's back in Washington, D.C. Well, Val Hoyle also prior to this was the commissioner of the Bureau of Labor and Industries. And it turns out that a uh, a grant was given to LaMotta by Val Hoyle, who when she was commissioner of Boley, there was something like a Forty or fifty thousand uh, dollar state grant that she gave to Lamada, you know, that was, uh, you know, supposed to be. First off, Rosa Cesaris is Hispanic. Um, it was an equity, you know, female businesswoman, and so on and so forth. And they just decided to. You know, we're gonna give you uh, we're gonna give you this nice grant here because you're a nice Hispanic female-owned business, and I don't think that she was expecting that to come out and essentially bypassed the normal rules for making one of these grants, which the state now has gone and taken away from Lamada, and. And Val Hoyle has been trying to separate herself from that as much as possible, but it turns out LaMotta also gave her bags of money. 
So, so, so what happens then? I mean, this is what drives people crazy. I think is that's that's is it illegal behavior? It's it's it goes against the rules. It's immoral. Well, it's it's questionable, right? I mean, and for so sure. it it appears to be a conflict of interest. I think if Val Hoyle was still in charge of the Bureau of Labor and Industries as opposed to now a U.S. representative to Congress. Yeah, uh, probably the governor would have booted her, for, or what does at that least say tried about, to get her resigned. But what does that uh, say about the people that are being representing Oregonians in the fourth district when this is what she did? It would certainly lead some people to believe she's on the take. Have Have you? Um, I'll ask you a really obscure question. There's a book out and I was listening to a Jordan Peterson interview with the author and it's called the laptop from hell. And it's about, <laughs> and it's about this woman is a, a reporter like you. And she works for the wash by the New York post. And she went after this story and she's talking about all the corruption and intertwinings and interwining. And you're going, Oh my God, people just need to really educate themselves better and find, you know, and, and instead of jumping on their party post and, and looking at what's going on. Cause she said, one of the questions that, and this is just, I've had this question for a long time. I mean, I don't, I'm sure you have too, but it's like, if we're dealing as a nation with China and Russia right now, and we're, and you know, this looks like there could be a war. Do you want somebody dealing with them? whose family obviously had dealings with them. I mean, just, just that question as a journalist, you'd go, you have to ask this question. And yet nobody wants to ask the question and to just say, even if it's not true to find out what is and what isn't true, but we don't even dig for it anymore. Yeah. Well, I, we, they not only don't dig for it anymore, part of it is because they don't have the people to do it, Rick. Right. I mean, Let's be honest here, and people can say whatever they want to say about how horrible the Register Guard is, or the Statesman Journal was, or the Oregonian, or you know, the Washington Post now, or whatever. But they've been gutted because essentially, you know, their digital model, which was taking the newspaper and putting it online, didn't work. Yeah, it failed miserably. Because people expect if they're going online, they get to see the stuff they want to see for free or mostly free. Right. I mean, you you look at, I mean, you look at all the major news organizations, and now you know instead of being, I guess what I would say, trying to do actual journalism, it's listicles and clickbait. Right. Yeah, I noticed that. Uh I can't hear a word you're saying. Rick, I, I don't you you can hear me. It says here you're in the show. Everyone can see and hear you. I can't see or hear you at all. I don't know if you touched something, but I can't see or hear you. Hey, oh, there we are. 
<laughs> I don't I don't know what happened. All of a sudden I looked up and mine went down. So maybe the internet died for a second. But yeah, that's interesting with newspapers because um, you know, I remember when the Register Guard, when everything started going online and the Register Guard, um, right after I started printing articles, I was, I think I was still at KZI and I'd, I'd take articles from them and print them. And it, obviously it was from the Register Guard and they they wrote me up and said, don't do this. We don't want you sharing our stuff. And I'm like, do you realize that's how it gets exposed? Well, just stop because you're using our tech, our stuff. And I went, no, this is clicking it to you. I mean, they didn't even understand KZI. I remember when we first started with the internet, they had no idea how this worked and they were like freaking out because people were stealing their news. And it's like, no, you can't control that. Um, but it is, it is scary. I mean, you, you see what, I mean, really, how do you get your stuff? Cause you, you dig for things and I know you give, you know, I mean, but where are you coming up with this stuff? Is this sources and people that are talking to you? Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I pretty much read everything. Um, I do. I mean, if there's something to be, I read the newspapers, the ones that I can get from Eastern Oregon uh, to see what's going on there. I've got a partnership with some other radio stations here in the state that, you know, we sort of have a uh, kind of crowdsourcing. It's like, hey, I got this. You got anything? What do you got? I got this. You got anything? I got this. So, it's yeah, it's coming from just about everywhere and just trying to follow it. Well, and now you guys have had some changes there too, right? I mean, Rob left and yeah, you know, Rob you left. Guys, and you got somebody new working with you who I've heard good things about. So yeah, Gary, mm -hmm. Gary's a good guy. He is very young. Uh, well, <laughs> everybody is compared to you and me, right? You know, yeah, he's 26 <laughs> years old. He's just a youngin. Uh, but yeah, I'm working with him now and he brings kind of a different, more youthful energy to the thing. And, but he's fairly savvy and kind of sees things, you know, from a different light. And it's kind of, after a while, you know, Rob and I were like an old married couple. Yeah. You know, you get up in the morning the first person you see in the morning, morning, whatever. And just having somebody different in there, it does, you know, it does kind of, you know, not that I don't miss Rob, I do, but it's like having a breath of fresh air. Yeah, uh, I used to feel like that when I get when I get a new anchor wife, um, mm -hmm. you know, because after, you know, like Lisa and I worked together for, I don't know, eight years or something. And and then when she left and they brought in somebody new, it was always kind of like, you know, a, a new experiment and seeing what was going to happen and how you work together and that kind of thing. And and I can say, you know, there were good people all the way through it, you know, but uh it was, I'll never forget when, um, well, I won't say who, but one of the, uh, anchors came in and, and the family that owned the station, um, they were asking, you know, they, they never really asked me who I, you know, I'm working with this person. Maybe I should have some kind of say in this. And, uh, he said, well, um, our 10 year old daughter helped pick the new anchor cause they thought she was really good. And I was like, <laughs> okay, great. And didn't turn out to be the best person for the job. <laughs> well, maybe you should have sat down with a 10 year old and just, you know, came to some sort of a professional agreement let's, with her. Let's come to okay, Jesus next here. Time, next time you're looking for somebody, why don't you, you know, kind of consider I, somebody that maybe comes across as smart. I got a $20 bill that I can give you if you'll say what I ask you to say. Exactly. But, um, 
So are that you the news director be. there? Then you really, you are, aren't you? Huh? The news, director? The news director there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. the only news person here. <laughs> I'm it. That's it. It's just me. Well, you're busy. I mean, you do get good stuff, Bill, but you always have. I mean, I think that's why people listen to KPNW is, I mean, we you know, try spe to, especially in the I morning. Don't, don't always can. hit it, but, but, you know, we try to do our best with it. So what's your biggest um, concern for Oregon? Because that we're swirling down the drain. Um, I, at this point, you know, it's like a car. And if you don't maintain that car, even though it was an expensive car, I don't care what you're talking about. It could be the best car in the world. If you don't maintain it and you don't do the routine maintenance, eventually things start going wrong. Yeah. Oregon is a classic example of a state where we didn't do the work that needed to be done. And it's like the wheels are falling off everywhere. And it's true. Um, from, you go back to the pandemic, from money that had been given to us by the feds, millions of dollars that were sitting there to upgrade the state's uh, unemployment system so that checks yep. could go out. And they just sat on it. I mean, it wasn't like, oh yeah, well we had it for a couple of years. They sat on it for over a decade. Right. They had the money sitting there. They could have upgraded the computers and they were out there in front of everybody going, well, you know, our computers are old. Yeah, well, in 2009, you were given the money to fix it, for Christ's sakes. And that's why you're supposed to do it is so if something like this comes up, you, you're covered. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and you just see it all the way across the state in a number of different ways. And it seems like now the idea of... Uh, you know, a lot of our leaders in state government, um, you know, they let all of this stuff go and then they turn around and it's like, okay, now we're going to ram down this big brand spanking new program that's going to make everything better. <clears throat> like, you know, well, ballot measure 110 was enacted by the will of the people, but here you've got the legislature that's still, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid on it. Um, I just don't know what it's going to take to really fix the state. Um, it, it's become, I don't know, it's just become almost too much to fix. It's is it, one of those things where as I sit here, I mean, I see what you did, and I understand why you left. And after taking a trip to the Midwest here, not all that long ago for a few weeks, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, these people kind of seem to have their act together, at least more so than what I'm seeing at home. I kind of understand why you left. Um, I don't know really what it's going to take. Well, see, that's I, I don't. I, I, when I ran for office, I thought, you know, this would be a way you could get in here and get a different voice and stuff. Because Oregon became, because of redistricting and Bill Bradbury and people like that who, who used the system so horribly to make it one-sided towards Democrats. Oregon's not as Democrat as people think. Um, and, and it's, I think, much more balanced than people give it credit for. But now it's so unpopular to, you know, I mean, I, I get slammed I, all the time from Oregon stuff when, you know, well, you right-winger just because I happen to think something different and I'm not been registered in any party. Um, I left both parties because the Republicans were so shitty to me when I ran for office 
Um, I wasn't going to be a part of that cluster screw anymore. And and the Democrats had just run it. I remember one time in, when, in a debate, uh, somebody asked the question to Kate Brown and me both. We were both running for secretary of state. And they said, who is the best secretary of state and who is the worst? <clears throat> and Kate, of course, you know, hedged. She's a politician. She hedged her best. Oh, there's Barbara Roberts because Barbara's a woman and was helping her. And then there's. Uh, you know, Bill Bradbury and all the, I just can't pick even Norma Paulus. I can't pick a favorite. I think they were all good. <laughs> they came to me and they said, Mr. Dancer, who was the best and who was the worst? And I said, um, the best was Phil Kiesling, a Democrat, um, because he was fair and he basically wanted the state to be redistricted fairly. And when he did that, the Oregon Education Association blackballed him and he was running for governor and he never even got close because of that decision to do the right thing. And I said, and when I needed help, when I decided to run for this office, I went to him and he gave me all kinds of advice. I said, that's a good man when you're in the opposite party. Um, and I later found it out, found out from him when I was interviewing him for the Hatfield thing. He said, he leaned over and he goes, I got to tell you something. I voted for you. I was the best. I felt that was the best of anything. <laughs> you know, to have a former secretary of state who was a Democrat vote for me because he knew Kate was a piece of garbage. And then they said, who's the worst? And I said, Bill Bradbury, because he redistricted yeah. the state unfairly. I said, I went to his wedding. I was friends with he and his, and his wife at a Coos Bay. Bill was a news anchor at KCBY before I was. Um, so it wasn't against him, but what he did to Oregon. And I think that slowly has been de 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 debased with, with de redistricting, um, you know, moving again, moving the lines and, and making it so that, you know, when, when, I, when I lived out in Camp Creek, that was country, I was in the same district with Cresswell, Cottage Grove, McKinsey River, and the University of Oregon. Now, what do we all have in common? Nothing. But there was enough votes in the University of Oregon group in the South Eugene that they mm -hmm. counterbalanced. And that is that is not the intent of the redistricting laws. And that's a perfect example of what was wrong with it. But now it's all catching up to Oregon. And I think it's, you know, apathy. It's people were, you know, just didn't pay attention for so long. And, and uh, I think the Democratic Party knew that and they just just went in and and took over and the Republicans were so weak and, and never could get on message. Like, what are you going to do for me that you care about? That yeah, I, well, that, when is that, the last time the Republicans in the state have been on message about anything? Right. It's like, what, what, oh, you know, when I ran, you know what they used to ask me? They, one, one group I went to said, did you pay in gold to run for secretary of state? And I'm like, I use my gold visa. And in the constitution, it says you're supposed to pay with gold. And I said, honestly, you guys, if this is your biggest concern, it's no wonder you're so irrelevant. And they booed me out of the room. <laughs> Leave, you're a terrible candidate. And so I turned around and I looked at him and I said, then vote for Kate Brown. They said, we're not going to vote for Kate Brown. And I looked at him quiet. One, two, three, four. I know. And then I walked out the door. <laughs> it was just unbelievable, Bill. Um, last thing I want to ask you uh, to wrap up. 114. That is a luster mess and now it's all tied up in the courts and oh it's going to be tied up in multiple courts so you've got two cases that are going on you've got the one at the federal level that's going through the federal system and then you have the case that's going through the state system and that would be the judge in harney county is yeah. 
you know, this that has to do with the Oregon Constitution. And then, of course, the other one has to do with the Second Amendment. And we should know something probably by mid-November what the judge in Harney County is going to rule. But we already know. I mean, duh. That's going to be taken to the Court of Appeals, and then that's going to be appealed, and that's going to go to the Supreme Court of the state of Oregon, which is, of course, packed with uh, judges that were put there by the previous, Demo uh, previous Democratic governors. So we pretty much know what the outcome of that's going to be. Um, the federal case is going to be pretty interesting. Um you know, the uh, one of the judges on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals had said that, uh, you know, the ban on, quote unquote, high capacity magazines, which are standard capacity, that it didn't, you know, meet the muster uh, under the Constitution. But he got shot down by his fellow judges. So that's going to end up probably in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, a lot of the issues that are going on in Oregon with 114, I mean, a lot of them are already floating around in different courts, dealing with magazines, dealing with, you know, these hypothetical so-called ghost guns and everything else. Um, you know, I mean, we're just part of kind of that blue wave of gun grabbing here in Oregon. And, you know, we'll see how it all all plays out. I have a question to ask you before we go. Okay, what? All right, I'm driving through Montana on the way back, and I'm a radio guy. I tune into radio stations. I'm hearing commercials for this Robert Quigley guy, independent, running for president. I spent two days pretty much in Montana going through heading east and then coming back going west why is he advertising in all places montana <laughs> and i think maybe wyoming there were a couple of wyoming stations and where's he from i don't know i'm not familiar with him he's from kentucky i have uh, not i have not heard the ads and i do listen to like radio here but i haven't heard the ads but i the that same thing happened, Bill, with uh, the guy from uh, North Dakota that was on the debates. Oh, okay. Um, you know, the one running for president. I can't remember his name. I, I should remember, but I don't pay that much attention to stuff like that. But okay, the one that but I, this guy's yeah, an independent. Okay, this, this guy was a Republican, and he was in the, the debates, and his ads were all over Montana radio, and I thought, why are you – this is just bizarre to me. Um but but no, quickly. I don't. I haven't heard of him, and I didn't hear the ads. Now I'm going to be listening for him. But I don't. Yeah, I. Yeah, what's Montana? Where the the big one of the biggest states with the least population. I mean, there's not even. I think there's just. I don't even remember how many people are in Montana. Like a million or something. I mean, the yeah. biggest town is a hundred Billings with a hundred and twenty thousand. Helena, the state capital, is forty thousand. Bozeman's 70,000. Missoula is one of the bigger. I think they have like 80,000. But I mean, there's just not, it's not a lot of people. And, but I'll tell you what, if you throw garbage out of your truck, they'll get shot. They're gonna shoot you. Yeah, they don't do that here in Oregon. <laughs> Hell, they throw Gatorade bottles throw a, full of piss out the windows <laughs> along the highways here. Oh my God. Hey, it's Bill. It's disgusting. Thank you for taking 45 minutes out of your day and uh, yeah. just sharing it. I think it's fun to talk to you. And I love talking about, 
uh, stuff going on in Oregon. It's just, I, and I do, you know, honestly, I know people, there's people, you are always hating on Oregon. I love Oregon. It's a great state. It's my home state. It's where I came from. Um, but you know, at some point for me and Kathy, and I don't think this is for everybody, but for us, we just said, I I'm 64 years old. It's not going to change in the next 25 years. And I can't no. keep doing this. I got to go somewhere where, and what's really fun about Montana is you can see that liberal far progressive left. I'm not against Democrats. I hate that. What I just despise is the progressive far left censorship crowd that, that wants to shut everybody up and make them like themselves. And, and here you don't see that as much. You can see some of it coming in, you know, with some of the trance stuff and everything like that. But um, I'll tell you, I was on the machine at the gym one day and this lady standing next to me, she looks like a typical Eugene hippie, which I love typical Eugene hippies. Cause most of them are like thinking the same thing I am. You're not putting anything in my body. I, I don't know what it is. And this lady says, what brought you to Montana? And I said, well, I'm from Oregon. And she goes, yeah, what brought you here? And I said, well, I don't, you know, and I was just kind of hedging a little. And she goes, just tell me. And I said, the way they treated the pandemic, they were so scared. And she goes, oh, I'm a nurse. I'm a Democrat. I wouldn't get the vaccine or a shot if you paid me to get it. She goes, this is ridiculous. And now they're trying to shut everybody up and not let you have a conversation about it. And I just looked at her and I went, oh, my God, you're like an old time Eugene Democrat who actually used your brain and had a conversation and was like open to this. And now all the time she walks by me and she goes, hey, Rick, you know, she's like the nicest lady. And it's like our party's not what divided us here. You know, and and ideology is not. But like I said, you do see it slipping in Missoula, a um, little bit in Bozeman, even in Helena here. You see some of that, you know, coming in and pushing uh, people aside and, and push. I don't mind people stating their opinions, I, I but but let me state yeah. mine, too. And don't discount me because I have one that's different than yours. That's what pisses yeah. me off. Yeah. The shouting down. Oh, it's awful. Bill London. Thank you. And uh you're off this week now. Next week, we'll expect another little broadcast from you. And uh, people like that. You stick them out there. And they like, like some of them, they do laugh. I think it's more entertainment than anything. But oh, or people good. people from, I got a call from somebody in Texas. They said, I love seeing that. I look and I go, honey, we made the right choice. So you're, you're, uh, you're, um, what's that called? You're, you're, uh, um, you're confirmation for a lot of people, Bill. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Oh, I'll talk to you later, man. See you later. Take care, Rick. Thanks for the invite. Uh, bye, Bill. All right. That's Bill London again. Uh, he's every week on our show. We don't actually, he's not on the show. We're just putting him on now his own. Uh, we stick him out there. Dr. Ratlin uh, from uh, Chris Daniel Family Dentistry sponsors that. And uh, he does a great job for us. So um, yeah, share it on your page. Let people know if they are from Oregon. It's uh, entertaining for them and educating. Uh, if you're from another state, it'll just make you glad you're from another state. <laughs> All right. And I don't hate Oregon. So those of you who want to send me emails that say so, just don't bother. I'm not going to read them anyway. All right. See you later.